gold-covered panettone, a meal costing 500 bucks per person, and moving into Andrea Bocelli's guest house. This week, it's Dream of Italy's Kathy McCabe. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is where food and travel intersect at DestinationEatDrink.com, on the Destination Eat Drink YouTube channel, and here on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. This week, Kathy McCabe, creator and host of the PBS show Dream of Italy, is my guest. And she talks about the new season of her show. But first, let me tell you about what's new at DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a complete foodie travel guide to Milan, Italy. All the gelato, cocktails, and best places to eat, plus cool things to do. You can read all that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash Milan. There's also a new pizza video. It's about the real Chicago-style pizza, and guess what? It's not deep dish. You can watch that by clicking on the video tab at DestinationEatDrink.com or by going to YouTube at DestinationEatDrink946. And while you're there, I've got a brand new buy me a coffee icon at the site. Click on that and you can make a contribution to Destination Eat Drink. I got a lot of feedback from folks who tried to make a contribution with the last system I had on the site and it wasn't working for them. So I put in this new one and it should work. So give it a try at DestinationEatDrink.com. Click on the buy me a coffee icon and thank you so very much. Kathy McCabe is the award-winning creator and publisher of the magazine Dream of Italy. She's also the host and executive producer of the PBS TV show of the same name. And the third season of Dream of Italy is out now. Check your local listings for when it airs on your station. Or go to dreamofitaly.com slash season three. Kathy tells me some terrific stories about the newest season of her show, including Andrea Bocelli singing Ave Maria for her and learning about the Black Madonna with Marissa Tomei, plus being hand-fed from a three-Michelin-star chef and the famous one-euro homes in Italy. Okay, enough of that. I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Kathy McCabe, welcome back to Destination Eat Drink. It's been far too long. I can't believe you were on one of our very first episodes, <laughs> episode 14. We're now at like 260-something. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's great to talk to you. Oh, wonderful to talk to you, too. Congratulations on the new season of Dream of Italy. I've been looking forward to this for so long. You put out a couple of specials between season two and season three, but it's been a while. And this season looks amazing, not the least of which uh, reason being that you got some blockbuster guests, starting with Andrea Bocelli. What was it like meeting one of opera's all-time greats? <laughs> it was wonderful. It was wonderful. We uh, we met at his house in Forte de Marmi, which is on the Tuscan coast, which is just a beautiful, beautiful place um, because you have the sea, 
But then when you turn, you have the mountains in the background. And it's sort of this idyllic and ideal place. I can't tell you I haven't thought a couple of times about living there. And he, um, one of his, I would say one of his main homes or his main home is there just across from the sea. And uh, he and his wife run or own a beach club. And um, so it was a, a really interesting visit with him in his home. He played, he sat at the piano as I interviewed him. And we have several things in common, including he's a, 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 an incredible, huge dog lover, as am I. And so I met all four of his dogs, including Ginevra, who's a, an Italian greyhound. Mm. So it was very like human to human uh, kind of meeting. We also both have great faith. And he um, has a special affinity for the Virgin Mary or the Madonna. And we um, spoke about actually what that meant to both of us. And he sang a little bit of Ave Maria. So it was an incredible experience to meet him and his wife be in his home. But I'm particularly proud of the angle we took for this episode. It's a travel uh, themed episode in that we go to the three or four towns that really made Andrea Bocelli who he is. Um, Forte de Marmi, Laiatico, which is his hometown where he grew up. We went to Luca, which was the hometown of his great influence, uh, Puccini. And also then Puccini was also had a home in Torre del Lago. And there's a, an ongoing Puccini festival there. So I think it's, um, you know, Andrea Bocelli definitely does a bunch of interviews. You see him out there. But I don't think he's ever done, um, we've, anyone's done anything quite like this where we're tying him really back to the place, the place. Sounds like you had a connection with him. Maybe you can move into the guest house, Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would take care of the dogs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Those Italian greyhounds are such gorgeous dogs. I, it's so cool you went to Luca. It's one of my favorite cities, uh, city. I don't know. I guess it's maybe a city, maybe it's a town. Um, I love that place. Haven't been in a long time, though, but I remember going to that uh, Puccini Museum there. There's a little dusty museum there. And uh, to tell you how long ago it was that I was there, I bought some CDs, you know, of uh, Puccini operas. Um, and, you know, everything is in there, all his little artifacts, you know, his, uh, his clothes and manuscripts and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, no, it was really interesting, something I found out is the Steinway and Sons piano that's in, um, that's, I believe his birthplace museum has only been moved once from Luca. It was moved to Milan for the World Expo in 2015 for a performance by Andrea Bocelli. So, uh, really interesting bit of trivia. So we know about Andrea's, his singing, the TV, the concerts, the recorded records, all of that great stuff. But the main question is, what kind of food does he like, Kathy? <laughs> he loves seafood, and he goes over to Alpamare, the uh, beach club that he owns, uh, every day in the summer. And the amazing thing about beach clubs are going to the beach in Italy. It's very different than going to the beach in America. There's usually a full restaurant cabanas you have a reserved lounge chair most of them provide towels 
it's very, very civilized. Uh, <laughs> so I highly recommend it. And you know, Italy has, I think it's 4,000 miles of coastline. So there's plenty of beach clubs to check out. You also traveled to, speaking of celebrities who you had on this season, you also traveled to uh, Campania with Marissa Tomei. Mm -hmm. That must have been very special. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, if you could. Oh, it really was. Um, I've had this interest um, in uh, the affinity Italians have for the Madonna or the Virgin Mary. Um, that really goes back to my ancestral hometown where I, I did an episode in season two. And it was sort of that interest that led me to uh, explore a little bit about the Black Madonna. Um, which is found throughout Europe, Russia, Ireland, France. But there's a number of them in southern Italy, including a one in Montevergine, which is 12 miles from my ancestral hometown. And my ancestors used to pilgrimage there. And there's another really incredible one in the town of Moyano in the Benevento province. Um, and it turns out that um, Marissa also has she has four um, Italian uh, grandparents or Italian-American, Italian-Italian-American, and one of whom is from, was from Altripalda, which is 20 minutes from my ancestral hometown. And um, we kind of based it on those Madonnas in that area. We had an expert, Alessandra Bologna, um, who studied the Black Madonna, also join us. And we actually, just through a series of events, all ended up staying in my ancestral hometown oh, wow. of just a thousand people. Yes, yes. And um, the beautiful Borgo that's there. And I'm actually um, running a little trip there. I'm hosting a cruise for Region 7 Seas um, at the end of April. And it coincides with the festival of the Madonna in Castelvetri. So I am um, hosting, um, any, anyone who would like to come for three nights. It's sort of a pre-cruise or also if, um, you're just going to be in Italy, but it was fascinating to learn more about the specifics of, um, the Black Madonna and her origins, what she means to people, um, and the history of it. And I haven't seen a lot of this on TV before. So, the hard part is these episodes are so short. Uh, it's really 23 minutes of editorial. And there's so much to say about the Black Madonna. So I feel like it's almost Black Madonna 101. It will give people a really good taste. And how was that with uh, Marissa? Did she have the same uh, spiritual connection with the Black Madonna that it sounds like you had, Kathy? Well, I think that she, um, I can't really speak for her. But, you know, I think um, that she, um, you know, really relates to this powerful feminine force that the Black Madonna is um, and has been for really a very, very long time. So certainly, you know, that was a big reason that she came and met us in Southern Italy to, to be a part of the episode. You know, she's one of my favorite actresses, not just for My Cousin Vinny. I mean, you know, she's Academy Award winner, you know, Mona Lisa and it's My Cousin incredible. Vinny. It's amazing. But it is incredible it's to meet her in person, you know, to, to meet her. Uh, so many of us have enjoyed her movies. 
for so long. And I think I can't remember the name number, name of it. She has a new one out that looks fantastic. Um, so she's a very, very talented person. And she's a great comedic actress, too. I mean, I still remember her turn on uh, the Seinfeld TV show where she played herself. <laughs> it was just hilarious. So funny. You think about Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. Somebody, I was on like some message board about learning Italian. I'm always trying to improve. And this person was recommending turning on the Italian um, on uh, the sign. I don't know where the Seinfeld reruns are airing, if it's like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or whatever. But to listen to Seinfeld in Italian, I think that, that I've got to try that. That would be funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. Um, you also went to uh, Caserta, which is outside of Naples. You know, I lived in Rhode Island for many years, and there's actually uh, in the Federal Hill neighborhood, which is the little Italy of Providence, there is a place called Caserta's, uh, a little pizza joint, and they've got excellent pizza. It's not Neapolitan style, though. It's closer to Sicilian style with, you know, thick, spongy crust. But anyway, um, Caserta, you were enjoying pizza in uh, Caserta yes. with the famous chef Franco Pepe. This guy is is a rock star when it comes to pizza. Have you you have heard of him before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And then I and I looked him up and I'm like, look at all these accolades that he's got. You know, I'd heard of him and then he I looked him one. up. He just um last week I think it's best pizza chef in the world. Maybe it's the third time he won. Oh, he's amazing. Incredible. And and the pizza you know, you go, I've done Neapolitan pizza we did on the first season. I'm sure I've eaten my share of pizza in Italy. Um, and so you're always like, oh, is this is this really the best? The dough. It really comes back to the dough. It, it is, um, I think the most striking thing about it is after you eat it, you could eat a lot of it. You're not bloated. You're not, you don't feel overly full. Yes, yes. It's. Um, it's a very um, satisfying um, experience. And then he does, like, he does, um, uh, like, pizza margarita, but he does his own twist where he melts the cheese first, and then he puts almost this puree of tomatoes and basil on top of it. Oh. So it does it outside of the um oven oh wow yeah and then he does a fig pizza a fig pizza with conchata romano this ancient roman cheese on it and oh my god figs my god my god it was so good so uh, i highly recommend if you're down in campania to go to uh, pepe and grani is the name of it you can get reservations online uh, people line up every night. It's worth a little bit of a trip. You know, it reminds me of the first time we went to Naples and we went to uh, Gino Sorbillo's and we got um, mm -hmm. we got a pizza and everyone orders like a full pizza for themselves. And Karen and I were, we were talking, we're like, there's no way we're going to be able to finish a whole pizza. But she wanted, um, she wanted, I forget which you know, one of us wanted the margarita, one of us wanted a different one. So we got two pizzas, right? 
and we ended up eating the whole thing, each of us. And like you said, you don't feel bloated. And I was told it's because of, um, you know, the long fermentation process that the dough goes through. So you don't have all of that gas in your stomach to make you feel like, you know, you got to lay down for a week and a half just to digest this thing. It's partly that. And then for Franco Pepe, it's partly the like ancient sort of flour that he uses. Um, you know, it really is quite a science. Let's go to Modena now because this is a... Oh, I could talk about Modena for hours. Oh, good, because... I loved it so much. Because I've wanted to go there. I've been to Bologna and we didn't make a side trip to Modena, which I regret. So I want you to kind of uh, live this vicariously for me about Modena. Tell me about your experience there. Oh, man. It was very a personally transformative experience for me and just an incredible Italian culinary and cultural experience, uh, too. It's a very, very civilized town. I had not been, although I've been to Italy like 70 times, or I had not been to Modena before. I went to film uh, with Chef Massimo Bature, the three, three Michelin star chef that uh, has taken the world by storm. And he and I, and I, I was, uh, you know, his wife is ju- just as much of a powerhouse as he is. Her name is Laura Gilmore, extremely talented and a visionary in her own right. And I felt so welcomed by them. And the interesting part is, you know, Massimo is a very busy man. So like the best time for us to go and film was actually February. But miraculously, and I do often have good weather karma, we had, I believe, five days of sunshine or almost five days. Nice. And I was, he was only scheduled to, to really film with us maybe a few hours on two different days. And his wife would, was going to film a lot of the rest of it with us but uh, I have to tell you Massimo and I hit it off in an incredible way that I you know is a long story but has nothing to do with celebrity or television or even food really as human beings and uh, he ended up filming basically most of five days with us Um, we had a grand time and what was supposed to be one episode is now two episodes oh uh, focusing on Massimo and Laura and what they've built, the culinary um, traditions, the or the, the the culinary traditions and how they've turned them on their on its head. You know, he's the great sort of. He says he has no nostalgia. He doesn't look back. So he was pretty fairly controversial at first because he was sort of ripping up Nona's recipes and transforming them. Um, and there's so much to say about him. He really looks to the future. He's always innovating. Um, his restaurant, Osteria Francescana, is considered the best in the world. It's, it's very hard to get, get a reservation. It's 500 euros with wine per person. Whoa. I will tell you, I ate, uh, I didn't eat at the restaurant. I had an even better experience where we filmed in the kitchen and this man hand fed me multiple uh, dishes which was of course that's cute and that's um even better than that what i what i thought was you know he would put exactly how he what he wanted on the fork for me do you see like his like whatever the ingredients or the garnishings or 
it was amazing because I felt like he was feeding it to me exactly um, as he wanted me to have that experience. So that said, of course, that may be an experience not everyone can afford, but he has other restaurants that are incredible. There's one called Cavallino um, just outside Modenuts where at the Ferrari factory. And I just adored that. It's a most beautiful design inside with the red, sort of the Ferrari red. Um, and then he has Franceschetta 58 in Modena where you can have the best tortellini I've ever had with 36 month Parmigiano Reggiano sauce. Mm. I mean, I do dream about this every night. <laughs> this is why it's called Dream of Italy. Yeah. Modena, of course, is famous for Pavarotti. Luciano Pavarotti was a famous, uh, the famous opera singer Mireya Freni. I ended up learning a lot about her. She was an incredibly famous soprano, um, soprano, and they actually grew up together and were friends their whole lives and sang at the at the theater in Modena. It's an incredibly civilized place. Uh, just lovely. You don't see a lot of tourists. Uh, there's something called Modena Yellow. A lot of the buildings are yellow or there's pink. And um, it's just a delightful, relaxing. You almost can't have a bad meal in Modena either. I went, I was, I've been, I've been going back since several times and had this Tabiatale Ragu the last time. I mean, I've been thinking about it for months. So really a great place to eat when you go to Italy. Going back to Massimo for just a second, um, can you tell me a couple of the dishes that he made while you were filming and uh, hand-fed you, Kathy? Oh, my God. There was this gold-covered panettone. Mm. And I tell you, you know, go one way or the other on the panettone. I don't know how you feel about it. It's not my favorite thing in the world. I don't need to eat tons of it, you know, there, but then I know people who they just live for Christmas to eat it, but it was everything that he, that he makes is a surprise. You know, he's trying to convey emotion through, um, through each dish and each dish has a name and has a story. And I'm not even a big seafood eater. And he, the seafood was exquisite. Um, so I'm trying to remember the exact name. This little piggy went to market was one of them. And I think it's a play on Damien Hurst. Um, he's very, very into Massimo and Lark, extremely avid collectors of modern art. So that also influences their dishes, the decor. They have a B&B called Casa Maria Luigia, which is stunning, beautiful, understated, lovely, um, and they have an outpost of Osteria Francescata, so you can have dinner there if you stay there or, or go there for dinner anyway. And they have the most incredible modern art everywhere. So it's this complete experience. You can't afford the 500 euros. It, it, I, again, like the pizza, I'm like, is this going to be really the best restaurant in the world? <clears throat> I was blown away, really blown away. You know, speaking of the panettone, we were in Milan last summer, and um, in Milan, they now sell, because Milan is very closely associated with Panettone, 
they now sell it year round. And I like you, you know, I enjoy having a slice of panettone when Christmas rolls around and I like to have it grilled. But the thing I found in Milan that I thought was interesting, you know, as an American, you see that box of panettone that you get in the, you know, the supermarket or something. But you go to the individual bakeries, they're making their own panettone and they have their own spin on it. And to me, that was way more interesting and a, and a better way to enjoy panettone. That was for me, at least. No, and, and Massimo has his own spin and he puts different ingredients, surprising ingredients in the panettone. And then he does at Casa Maria which I could go on and on about, a breakfast. So people, I mean, it's the most amazing breakfast you'll ever have in your life. It's a buffet breakfast with, Codacchino and Svalione and these little, I never had them before. They're called Erbezzone. They're like um, spinach, Swiss chard, I think a little cheese. But he's very into this like smoking and putting them in a smoky oven. And it was like they were so addictive. So he's, you know, he's, oh, then since I even filmed, he's opened up, um, I think it's called the Green Cats, uh, but in Italian, a, uh, um, kind of not barbecue, but like an uh smoke, smoky kind of themed restaurant at Casa Maria Lucha. So this man and his wife are incredibly prolific people. You know, always opening restaurants. They have a new book. Always just creating. Always innovating. Starting new things, and it's very inspirational for anyone who creates. He is. She is. For anyone who creates anything in their lives to to watch what they do. You know, Kathy, I don't know that I can afford uh, splashing out for 500 at the uh, at the big restaurant, but I'm glad he's got some more uh, reasonably priced ones. And boy, Moden has been on my list for a while. I'm definitely going to be going yes. there when uh, when we get back to uh, Modena and uh, yes. to Umbria. Very few people realize like my whole career well, Dream of Italy started with a magazine. I'll have to send you a copy. Um, I've done 200 issues over 21 years, and I did a Modena issue this summer with lots of tips on where to go, on, on Massimo's restaurants. Um, it's definitely something to put put on your, your list. You also went to Abruzzo, another place that's on my list, and I've done a couple episodes about Abruzzo. And this is, uh, you know, the thing is, you see in the media all the time folks talking about these one-euro homes. When I go on YouTube, there's always videos of people, we got our one-euro home. So there's a lot of attention in the media over this, but you went and got on the ground and talked to people who actually did it. You know, they took the plunge, they bought some of these one-euro homes, they had to, you know, remodel them. Um, what, what did you learn about the one-euro homes and what was these folks' experience like? Well, actually, for Abruzzo, we did four expats, a couple and two single women. They did not buy the one-euro homes, They, but we did then visit a town that has one-euro homes in Abruzzo. So I will get to that in a moment. They, One woman, I think her home was 60, 000, about $60,000, and then she put in about 30000 to renovate it, and it's a beautiful like, townhome for 100000 Another couple bought the most beautiful modern home, which you rarely see, for about 250000 It's on a mountaintop, and you can see the sea, sea 30 minutes away through the mountains. Um, so there are affordable homes. 
in Abruzzo, but we went to a town, Prato de Pavinha, um, that offers these one-euro homes. The reason I like this town is a lot of the one-euro homes are in very rural areas, and there's not a lot of access to other places. This one, you could walk to the train station from these one-euro homes, which will take you into Solmona, which is a beautiful city, just a few minutes away. You can get to Rome in an hour and a half. You can get to the seaside in half hour, the mountains. But then you have to put about fifty, sixty thousand dollars in it. Nothing is truly one euro. You you have like three years to do the renovations. Um, I think it's a great idea. People are adventurous and want to do the renovations. It gets a lot of attention. It re- revitalizes these towns. But the truth is, you can go look for a, a already kind of renovated one and pay sixty or seventy thousand. And not go through the renovations yourself. So I think people, it's a great way to get attention. Um, but I remember my friend, Damien, who does a lot of real estate and relocation work um, in Italy, had warned me, I'm not sure you can have, get insurance on a one while you're renovating. There's all these things you need to check out. So definitely something worth considering can find an affordable home without doing the one euro program. Yes. I, and I see people all the time who are like, well, we thought about doing the one euro home, but we ended up, you know, buying one for 30 or for 60 or whatever it was. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you're going to be paying all that money to get it renovated and have to wait. Why not, uh, you know, have a, have a quicker route by spending a little bit more. And in the end, you know, you're going to wind up spending the same amount of money anyway. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations on season three of Dream of Italy. And if folks want to find out when it's airing on PBS in their town, go to dreamofitaly.com forward slash season three. Um, Before I let you go, Kathy, I know you've always got uh, irons in the fire, new things happening. What's next on your agenda? What are you thinking about for the next thing? (laughs) I always say, God, I'm never doing that again. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, I do run this magazine and. We just, I just published uh, another book. I had written a companion book to the special I did for PBS, Dream of Italy, Travel, Transform, and Thrive. That's available um, also on Amazon if people are interested in moving to Italy and all those things. But with the magazine, I wanted to provide a bonus book this holiday season. It's called Dream Days in Italy, 30 uh, Adventures Around the Italian Boot. And it's sort of like 30 experiences. One of them is to make a trek to uh, Franco Pepe's Pizza. Mm. And it's a little bit of armchair travel, but also gives people sort of ideas um, on what to do. So I am a, an Italy content queen. I, I, I create lots of content. Um, for me, I like to, it's funny, you know, I don't live in Italy. I don't own anything in Italy. I spend a lot of time there. I would like to live there part-time or more than part-time and really um, kind of start that process uh, this year, I, th- I think, or in the next year. So what's funny about me and Italy, I do a lot of business there. It is extraordinary. It is incredible. It is transformative. It's not always the easiest place on, on the planet either. Um, so I think what I enjoy is because I do a lot of business there is I get to come home and have a break from that. Um, but it, it, it always draws me back. Well, Kathy McCabe from Dream of Italy, 
It's been a joy catching up with you. Let's not wait another five years before we have you on again. Thanks so much for being on the show today. That's the lovely Kathy McCabe. Such a great time catching up with her. Dream of Italy is on PBS. Check your local listings. And you can see Kathy at her website, dreamofitaly.com. I've also got links to the places Kathy talked about in the show notes. That's at radiomisfits.com slash DED263. Well, that'll put a bow on this episode. Next week, we're getting ready for Santa with Christmas in Florence in Switzerland, in New Orleans, and in Australia. Don't miss that. And remember to subscribe to the show and rate and review Destination Eat Drink on your podcast app. Thank you very much. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla, a guy who tried to buy a house in Italy for a bottle of scotch. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.